What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have our top 10 takeaways, lessons learned, observations from the games that happened yesterday. And I think as we keep going, right, this is the last week of the fantasy football regular season. Tonight is pretty much the final showdown to see who gets into the playoffs. And a lot of those videos, like trade targets and rest of season rankings, all of that aren't as important as they used to be. But I think that this is one of the more evergreen videos where regardless of if you're in the playoffs or not, we're going to talk through what's going on in the NFL so we can keep tabs for our playoff run. And then also if you play Dynasty, there is some really good nuggets that we're going to go through in this video. Now, with all that being said, if you enjoy at any point, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, the way we're going to do this is I, I feel like I have to explain it because I make this video every week, but I don't really give any background for anybody who's new to the channel. But we're just going to go through, highlight 10 takeaways, observations, lessons learned, all of that good stuff. And our first one here is going to be zero days since our last DeAndre Swift disappointment you you just truly hate to see it he comes out here last week gives us 20 opportunities eight touches 100 plus total yards 50 percent plus of the snap share 20 plus ppr points everything we've been hoping for from deandre swift we thought you know prior to that it's been injury now he's fully back to full health he's going to be featured in this offense and he comes out here this week gets 33% of the snaps, 31% of the RB opportunities, six carries for 21 yards, three catches for 18 yards, 6.9 PPR points. Why Justin Jackson has a 29% snap share, I could not tell you. Him and DeAndre Swift, like DeAndre Swift is just the upgraded version of Justin Jackson. Why this is a three-headed backfield, I truly have no clue. Now, I will say this week was a close game. The week before, I can't remember who Detroit was playing, but it was a blowout. Maybe because it was a blowout, that's why DeAndre Swift got a little more run than usual. You would think that they would want to ramp him up here, let him be the main guy. The issue is that they are winning games with this running back by committee approach. Even Jamal Williams hasn't really been relevant. I think he's been like under 11 PPR points the last three weeks. Again, the issue is that they're winning games, so they're playing like this and getting positive feedback. It's not to say that anything is going to change. I think DeAndre Swift, I was pretty excited. I thought, you know, he went from a guy... That was tough to start to becoming like a fringe top 12 running back rest of season. He has taken a big step back from that. I would call him a fringe RB2, fringe boom bust RB2. He does get nice matchups against uh, week 17 Carolina, week 17 Chicago, which aren't, you know, those are pretty favorable matchups for running backs, but it's just tough. Just have to sort of go with DeAndre Swift rest of season, tempering expectations. If you have him, you probably didn't make the playoffs. And our second takeaway is for Donovan Peoples-Jones here. All I got to say is that Shaq meme of, you know, I owe, I owe you an apology. I really wasn't familiar with your game. Donovan Peoples-Jones is good. Um, I wasn't, or maybe not good, but he's a guy. He's not just waiver fodder. He puts up 12 targets, 8 catches, 114 yards, 19.4 PPR points. The wide receiver 12 on the week despite no touchdowns in both Njoku and Amari Cooper playing. He's the wide receiver 31 in fantasy points scored this year. Time to put respect on his name. 
Uh, I think he's probably like a low-end flex play moving forward. I think he's someone that should have some staying power in Dynasty, should be someone that probably goes in the late rounds of drafts next year instead of being like an undrafted guy. He's interesting. He's a day three pick out of Michigan, I believe. Uh, he was like a five-star recruit up there with, I think like Henry Ruggs was in that class, Judy, all of those guys. He was a five-star with them. Michigan, before this recent run they've been on, they absolutely sucked with like McNamara and the other kid who like, there was one kid that they had that transferred from somewhere to play there, um, and he sucked. So those wide receivers sort of went there to die, these like five-star recruits. But then he comes out here, combine, kills it, really fast 40-time, vertical, all of that. He was a five-star recruit type athlete. So there is upside there. Uh, I don't really know what the ceiling looks like. I would say as like a fifth-round guy, I think, you know, he's kind of in that, uh, like I wouldn't say Darnell Mooney, but... One of those guys that goes day three that just has, you know, some kind of staying power in the NFL. He's someone who's interesting. Again, I like I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's someone that I can't just push to the side, not really take seriously what like I was doing before. Again, I think he's like a fine flex play moving forward. Just somebody I wanted to put some respect on his name real quick. Now, our third takeaway is I was wrong about the Mixon P Ryan split. I came out in my must starts video, said Mixon's a fine start this week. We've never really seen them split this backfield between Mixon and Pirine. Uh, he had a lot of time between that concussion. I think he had like two weeks there. I thought he was going to come in there, be the bell cow immediately. That was not the case, especially in a game with no, in a game with no uh, T. Higgins, a game with no Tyler Boyd, a game with no Hayden Hurst. I was very surprised to see them not lean on Joe Mixon more here. He had his lowest opportunity share of the season when healthy at 57.1%. Pre Mixon concussion, Pirine was seeing an average of 17% of the opportunities. Uh, in those previous three games. Yesterday, he saw 32%. So Pirine was much more involved this week. Uh, Joe Mixon ends up with 12.6 PPR points on a 58% snap share, 57% opportunity share. He had 14 carries and two catches. It's not bad. It's just not what we're used to with Mixon. Like we're sort of expecting like 20 plus touches. I'd still say that he probably finishes this week as an RB1 if he just scores a touchdown. He had like, I think like 14 carries for like 90 plus yards on the ground. He just didn't get in the end zone and he didn't have enough volume to sort of carry you to an RB1 finish without the touchdown. So that's kind of the difference now. Uh, I know this tweet says Mixon's still a fine play each week, but his ceiling might have dropped a little bit. I'll be curious to see how much P. Ryan is involved moving forward. I am super hesitant to think that he is going to have any sort of staying power in this offense, but he could be very annoying in that he just takes away all the third down uh, long distance type snaps and the two minute drill stuff and limits Mixon back into just being a between the tackles guy this year he had been a little bit better through the air commanding targets all of that I think that probably gets scaled back now rest of season though still back end RB1 I think that his opportunity to share his touches will only go up since his first game back though now our fourth takeaway is Trevor Lawrence came into the NFL uh touted as the next Andrew Luck in his prospect profile said that I thought that he is one of the greatest recruits, or not recruits, but greatest prospects coming out of college of all time. I don't think that's a hot take either. First overall, he could have he could have declared the day after his freshman year, if it was like college basketball, you could do one and done. He could have declared the day after his freshman year and been the first overall pick. He was that good. He was that highly touted. One of the best quarterback recruits coming out of high school since Vince Young. Best prospect coming out of college since Andrew Luck. Gets all these comparisons. He face plants in year one, but I've been very, very happy with what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence this season. He is out here. If we, this is a tweet. 
And I just want to put it out there. People get very mad when I tweet this out. I am not saying at all that Trevor Lawrence is better than Andrew Luck. I am just simply saying he was touted as the next Andrew Luck coming out of school. I think it's interesting to see how they stack up this far into year two, just to kind of see where Trevor Lawrence is at after those lofty expectations. And I think that he's doing pretty damn well. We're looking here, passing yards literally within what, like three yards of each other? No, no, I'm an idiot. Like Trevor Lawrence has like 80 more yards. He has one more touchdown, two less interceptions, better completion percentage, better yards per attempt. EPA per play is better. CPOE is completion percentage over expected is better. So CPOE is just based on like where your ADOT is, what should your completion percentage be? He outproduces what his completion percentage should be by a percent point. EPA per play is pretty much offensive efficiency per play. Um, and he's doing really well in that. Rushing on the ground, they're both at four rushing touchdowns. Andrew Luck was more athletic, so he has 336 rushing yards to this point. But I would say through 13 games in year two, they look pretty similar. Now, Andrew Luck had a better team here. I want to say that they were like eight and five pretty firmly in the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence is in the hunt here, uh, kind of on the the downside end of in the hunt, but he's winning games, meaningful games. It does suck that the Jags, their defense was so good through the first like three, four weeks. Like if you remember, there was a ton of hype around them uh, going into Philly. I believe they get killed in that game and it kind of derails things, but their defense was really good out the gate. It hasn't been that good as of lately. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence has looked amazing. He also did great for fantasy this week. He was the QB1 this week. He had 368 yards passing, three touchdowns, plus a rushing touchdown for 33.4 fantasy points against the Titans here. And he now sits on the season as the QB9 in points per game, 18.6 points per game, which is legit numbers there. And just behind the QB8 Tua, who's at 18.9 points per game. So really impressive from the guy, someone who came in and was just absolutely garbage in year one. Looks amazing in year two. I would say he is everything that he was that we were promised uh, that he should be. Again, right on par with a guy like Andrew Luck through two years. So QB1 rest away for me in seasonal, in dynasty, bright, bright future. Somebody I would take at that one-two turn of a startup right now. Now, our fifth takeaway is the Jarek McKinnon explosion slash Chiefs backfield. We have pretty much any zero RB hero RB teams out there with Jarek McKinnon this week got an extra playoff push push today he had 130 plus total yards two touchdowns seven receptions he was the RB1 overall on the entire week with 32.4 PPR points which is just wild to get from a guy like Jarek McKinnon you could neutralize other Eckler McCaffrey Jacobs teams with your waiver wire or last round pickup Jarek McKinnon now I will say I'll be a little bit humble here because there's definitely a lot of us out here with zero RB or hero RB teams with McKinnon. But then like, what if you had, let's say you had like Stefan Diggs, CD Lamb, Devontae Adams, T Higgins. You probably lose that week. That's like four stud wide receivers that combined for like 20 points. So you needed to have the right wide receiver combo with McKinnon, but still pretty crazy. Now, what does that mean for this backfield moving forward? McKinnon had 50% of the snaps or 57% of the snaps. He dominated the high value touch areas. So 11 of 12 of the long down and distance snaps, four to five of the snaps inside the 10 yard line. So we want goal line work. We want receiving work. That's where McKinnon thrives. I don't know why I said McKinnon so weird, but that's where McKinnon thrives. And I will say that I don't think that McKinnon having this crazy game really takes much away from Pacheco either. Uh, McKinnon had 15 opportunities to Pacheco 16. And again, as much as like McKinnon outscored Pacheco and looked amazing, it was really just more like crazy efficiency, touchdowns, receptions and everything. 
It's a clear two-headed backfield, which is really good, as opposed to what it was earlier, where it was like one-third between CEH, Pacheco, McKinnon. Two-headed backfield, where McKinnon takes the receiving down stuff, and Pacheco's the between-the-tackles grinder. Both of these guys can succeed rest of the way. Uh, after that, we have our world-famous rookie-wide receiver report. It's not actually world-famous, but I've been having fun calling it that. Uh, the rookie wide receiver report. So this is a short one because we had, it's really weird, but we had like over like Colts were on by saints on by Packers on by like everybody, everybody is on by that has a rookie wide receiver. It's very weird, but let's talk through the guys who did play, which only were five, uh, Garrett Wilson still doing Garrett Wilson things. He's a above 20% target per out run above a two yards per out run. 84.7 PFF grade leads the entire class. All elite numbers. He did have a down week for what has been his standard without Zach Wilson here. He had seven targets, six catches, 78 yards. But in a snow game versus the Bills on the road, I have no problem with that stat line. Then you have George Pickens here. Just rough. Uh, he struggles to, to command volume, which is what I've been calling for him to do this entire time. He just had three targets. Now, he was efficient. The, the issue is that efficiency isn't very sticky. Game to game, year to year, three catches, 78 yards. So he converted those three targets into three catches for 78 yards. So he did a really good job of making the most of those three targets. But again, he's not commanding a big portion of that pie. He had a 2.44 yards per out run, which is the second highest of the season for him. But again, efficiency, not all that sticky right now. He The upside is there for him long term, but he's sort of being used like how the Jets used Robbie Anderson uh, you know, a while back. This is like a deep threat, kind of like DJ Charkish type usage. It's just, uh, it's not great. I mean, it's early on in his career, so he could also, he could always develop into, you know, more of a target earner, more of a route running savant. We've talked about it, or we talked about it on the uh, reordering the 2022 class video, but he is running a lot of go routes, a lot of downfield routes uh, with average to below average quarterback play. So that's sort of a recipe for failure as well. After that, we have David Bell. Uh, he ran the most routes he's ever run in a game. So that's good news, right? 77.5% of the routes. The bad news is that he just turns it into three catches, 27 yards, a three yard, a dot and a 0.71 yards per out run across the board. Still just read across the board, 11.3% target per out run 0.76 yards per out run 54 PFF grade, just really, really bad stuff. Uh, another disappointing week for Sky Moore. He had back-to-back -back weeks with six targets in week 11 and 12. Week 13, 14, he has just two targets for seven yards over those two games. The routes are dwindling, 32%, 32%, 25%. Consider the panic button for Sky Moore very much on the table. I love the talent, I love the prospect, but if he doesn't get on the field in year one, like he's looking very Terrace Marshall-ish right now. Uh, he's going to have to get on the field to make plays very, very soon. I feel like I say that every single week. Uh, we also have Jamison Williams, who I wanted to sneak in here. Now, I do require like a 15-plus target minimum uh, for these guys, but I want to include Jamison Williams for obvious reasons. Uh, I would take his insane target route run, yards route run, with a grain of salt here. He has just eight routes. Uh, eight routes, I think like three targets. It's a really tiny sample, but it's good to see him climbing the participation. So 4%, 15%, let's hope for like 30, 40, 50% next week. Uh, it's also good to see him balling out. A 40-yard touchdown reception is better than him getting eight routes and doing nothing with them. Uh, so it's 
really exciting. Again, that target route run number, like 37.5% jumps out, but it's like, if he's on the field, they're going to want to get him the ball. And when you're operating on that small of a sample size, it's not all that significant. Same thing with like a five yards per out run, but still really good stuff. He looks good. Just have to get on the field more. I'd be very excited to see what Jamison Williams looks like with like a 75% route participation. I would say he's someone like he's someone that is capable of going on a Christian Watson type run here. If we can get him on the field ASAP so we can play him in the fantasy playoffs with any kind of confidence. Uh, after that, we also have two guys that I missed last week because they were on Monday Night Football. So Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave. I'll cover my... Or, uh, yeah, never mind. All right. So we have Chris Olave, and there's not really anything to report on him. Same old, same old. You know, most of the routes still looks really good in terms of his uh, target prout run, yards prout run, PFF grade. Actually, I forgot to update the MNF thing, but it's all good. Uh, and then after that, we have Rashid Shahid, who is very, very interesting. If he's on Dynasty waivers, he should not be on Dynasty waivers. I can't with certainty tell you that he has any kind of ceiling in the NFL or like what that ceiling looks like, but he is a really good deep threat, right? So the target per out run is down, but he's a high A dot field stretcher. 2.37 yards per out run trails just Olave in this draft class and a 74.3 PFF grade trails just the big four of Garrett Wilson, Olave, London, and Burks, which is Super impressive for like an undrafted guy out of a school I've never heard of. So Rashid Shahid, just someone to keep tabs on. I don't think that he's going to be some crazy stud in the NFL, but he's like, he looks better right now than guys like David Bell, like Sky Moore. He's doing his thing out there. Uh, after that, we have J.K. Dobbins return. And I did not expect him to come out here and look amazing, but he did. He looked great. Uh, it was his first game back since week six. We're now in week 14. He comes out here, puts up 15 attempts, 120 yards, a touchdown for 18 PPR points as the RB9 on the week. And the exciting part is that he has room to improve. If you look at this chart here, he was playing on less than a majority of the snaps. He was out there for just 46% of the snaps, had just 52% of the rushes, 15 of 31 running back opportunities. So there is ceiling for, for him to take on more here. He wasn't even featured as like a full-time player and still balled out, I think, with Lamar Jackson possibly out until Christmas Eve. They're going to lean on Dobbins a little bit more here, and they have a really nice fantasy playoff schedule here where they have the Steelers, who they just torched today uh, at the back end of their schedule. Then they have the Browns, who are 30th in rush DVOA defense. DVOA is just like efficiency uh, on football outsiders. just takes into account like the average defense and then kind of how you stack up. 30th in rush defense, and then Atlanta, who are 28th. So the wheels are all the way up for Dobbins to be like kind of a playoff hammer where if you stuck him into the playoffs he could be a guy that you could start every week as an rb2 and get 15 plus ppr points from here on out it's just a matter of sneaking a team into the playoffs that had to sort of carry dobbins the rest of the way next we have our eighth takeaway which is what the Char chargers offense looks like with mike w williams and keenan allen and it's just refreshing to kind of see what this offense is supposed to look like, right? Herbert's out there, Keenan Allen's out there, Mike Williams is out there, and it looks good. Herbert puts up 367 passing yards and a touchdown. Keenan Allen had 20-plus PPR points for 12 catches, 92 yards. Mike Williams had six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Everybody got home. Keenan Allen, 20-plus points. Mike Williams, 20-plus points. And then they are going to go out there next week against Tennessee, who are ranked 28th in pass DVOA and just got exposed and torched by Trevor Lawrence for 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. And they're going to go out there. 
makes sweet, sweet music. So all of those Chargers that have been sort of iffy so far, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, wheels all the way up for them rest of season. It's slightly concerning about Eckler because now they have a lot more playmakers out there. They don't have to lean on him as much. I believe that he had an under 60% snap share last night. Not good. Uh, I think Eckler gets a slight downgrade. I, I still don't think I would rank him outside of like my top three running backs rest of season. That's just how the position is right now. But it's something to monitor for sure as they get these playmakers back healthy. Uh, our ninth takeaway, I just sort of wanted to go over the Buccaneers backfield. That's been one that's been hard to navigate here uh, where like Rashad White has been the starter. Fournette is hurt, but it's like Fournette is going to still play hurt and it doesn't make Rashad White the complete lead guy. Uh I think it's just a really important split to be aware of, though, because I think Fournette, Rashad White are going to be very important for this playoff run. And the split was pretty damn close. Uh, Rashad White had 52% of the snaps, 62% of the running back touches. Touches He had less targets than Leonard Fournette, which is weird, right? Rashad White comes in as this like receiving specialist out of Arizona State. They prefer Fournette in the passing game. They prefer Rashad White in the running game uh, or in the short yardage game. They have Rashad White on 20 to 18 of early down snaps, 9 to 2 short yardage snaps. I think the early down is really only skewed because of how down bad they were in this game. But like in short yardage, they prefer Rashad White. Two-minute drill, third down stuff, they prefer Fournette, which is kind of weird. Uh, but it's not the end of the world because you still see Rashad White mixing in in the two-minute drill and third down uh, situations. Neither guy really got home this week. Both guys were about 10 PPR points, but they were playing in San Francisco who is allowing the least fantasy points to opposing running backs. So it's tough to really expect in a blowout game script against that defense for them to do much. Uh, but yeah, sort of just more of the same moving forward of like a 55-45 split here that is favoring Rashad White. It seems like Fournette's still been hurt. So if Fournette like sort of, you know, maybe he gets off the injury report, he puts in some full practices here like Thursday, Friday, maybe he gets the nod back for like 55-45 as the lead guy. I don't know. It's a tough, It's a tough backfield to navigate right now. Uh, with very little clarity. Now, our 10th takeaway here is I'm going to start saving the Jets talk for the last takeaway. So most of the guys who complain probably won't even make it this far. And so you guys don't have to sit through it uh, in the beginning. But I pay attention to the Jets games more than really any other game. Um, so I think that I sort of have a, not a unique perspective, but a little bit more of a tapped in perspective on sort of what's going on for them in terms of fantasy. So first, I want to talk about Elijah Moore. Um, that's not Elijah Moore. Uh, yeah, so first I want to talk about Elijah Moore, and he's back. Um, I will say, partly due to a Corey Davis injury, he gets a concussion. Um, but even with that, it's still good to see Elijah Moore operating as the number two wide receiver here, firmly ahead of Braxton Berrios and Denzel Mims, when in the past that wasn't even a given. We've seen him have less routes than Mims and Braxton Berrios, so it's very clear that Outside of Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis, Elijah Moore is the next guy up there. And he puts up, for the first time since I believe week three, 90% plus of the routes and 20% plus target share. He is very much a featured part of this passing offense. He gets Mike White there now, who is actually competent passing the ball. And I would put him, for that reason, after nine targets, six catches, 60 yards, in like that wide receiver 35 to 40 range in terms of like weekly ranks moving forward. He's a startable low-end flex option from here on out. You can sort of play the matchups with, and he's sort of a boom-bust type guy. Uh, after that, I also want to touch on the backfield, which has been really interesting. Zonovan Knight, who was on my pre-draft radar, somebody I liked, uh, somebody I have in a couple spots, I didn't think he was going to be this good. He's been amazing. Um, 
let's put let's just put all of the Zonovan Knights metrics on the screen here. Why not? Let's just future them all. Um, but he has been insane. He was like an absolute stud. If we look at the across the bottom, he absolutely outplayed Michael Carter. Just eighteen or seventeen carries, seventy-one yards, four point two yards per attempt, one touchdown, seventy-nine point two rush grade to Michael Carter's one yard per carry, forty-one point seven rush grade. Between the tackles, that's Zonovan Knight. Now, when we talk about how the snaps are kind of divvied up here, Zonovan Knight handled forty-seven percent of the snaps, but sixty-five percent of the opportunities. It's clear they want to give Zonovan Knight the ball, and I think after today he earns even more work. Michael Carter had one yard per carry. He also had a game-losing fumble there. I think from here forward, I think Zonovan Knight will lead this backfield in both snaps and opportunities until he gives them a reason not to do so. Uh, and we talk about just how great Zonovan Knight has been. He is second in PFF rush grade, second in missed tackles four, second in elusiveness rating, third in runs of 10-plus yards, fourth in rushing yards, sixth in PFF receiving grade, seventh in PFF pass blocking grade, all over the last two weeks. He has been amazing. Uh, right now, pretty much the way that the role is, this is me talking about the uh, the wheels here. Uh, snaps have been about even with Zonovan Knight doing all the early down and short yardage stuff with Michael Carter out there on the third downs and two-minute drill. Michael Carter, the only thing that he does better than Zonovan Knight right now is maybe as a pass catching back, but even down there, you see sixth in PFF receiving grade and seventh in PFF pass blocking grade for Zonovan Knight. My eyes, he should be used in all facets of the game, but I think that they're going to sort of wean away how you guys see uh, Carter has about like maybe a quarter to a third of those early down and short yardage snaps. I think those are going to go way down um, with Zonovan Knight just being straight up the better rusher right now. So Zonovan Knight has a chance to be kind of like the zero RB uh, hero savior league winner down the stretch here. He's eighth in fantasy points over the last two weeks, and he has a nice stretch down or a nice favorable stretch of games here in the fantasy playoffs he plays against Detroit at home now Detroit has been tough against the run recently so I won't really count them in there though I could see them coming to our place and struggling against the run again uh but if not they get Jacksonville that next week who's allowing the 10th most fantasy points to running backs and then Seattle who's allowing the second most so he could be like a zero RB hammer if you have him on your team you should be very glad especially if it's a hero RB or zero RB team now that is going to do it for us today Again, these are one of my favorite videos to put together for you guys where I can just kind of talk about whatever's on my mind from the week at football that we just witnessed. So that is it for today. Let me know how you guys felt about this week. Are we making it into the playoffs? What do you guys need to, uh, to happen tonight? I believe I need James Conner to suck. Um, I need Kyler to ball out. I need Ramondre to chill out. I need Damian Harris to suit up. Um, and that, and I need Devonte Parker to do nothing. And that's about it from what I can gather in my big game. So let me know. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this video, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see y'all in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Tenno, on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.